Thank you all for joining us for this podcast. I am Jasmohan Bajaj, Professor of Medicine at Virginia Commonwealth University and Richmond VA Medical Center. Uh, on behalf of myself and my co-editor-in-chief, Dr. Uh, Millie Long, who is at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, we are delighted to have Dr. Chris Cowdley talk to us about his recent publication that he's led a randomized dose-finding proof-of-concept study of berberine ursodeoxycholate in patients with PSC. Dr. Cowdley is a director of the Liver Institute Northwest and is professor at Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine in Washington State University. Welcome, Dr. Cowdley. Well, thank you very much, Jazz. Uh, this study is now in press in the American Journal of Gastroenterology and is also accompanied by an editorial by Dr. Eric Yoshida. Uh, please feel free to check it out. In between, let's talk to Dr. Cowdley about what was the reasoning behind using berberine ursodeoxycholic acid for uh, PSC? Yes, so thank you for giving us an opportunity to discuss our study. So primary sclerosing cholangitis, as you know, is a disease that affects populations both with and without inflammatory bowel disease, although about 50 to 70% of patients will have IBD. So it's important for gastroenterologists to think about PSC uh, in their patients with IBD, because about 5% of patients with IBD will develop PSC. And when you look at patients with PSC, 50 to 70% of patients will actually have IBD. And it's particularly important to recognize this because patients with PSC who have IBD have a 40-fold increased risk of a colon cancer. And the recommendations currently are to do annual surveillance colonoscopies with biopsies throughout the colon for patients who have IBD along with PSC. Now, the treatment of PSC has been very challenging and a number of different medications have been tried, ranging from immunosuppressive medications, considering the possibility it's an autoimmune disease, choleretic medications such as ursodeoxycholic acid, uh, anti-inflammatory medications. But thus far, we have not been able to find an effective therapy for primary sclerosing cholangitis. There's no question though that bile duct obstruction and impairment of bile flow plays a role at least in the later stages of the disease. The disease is characterized as your audience knows by multiple strictures that affect both the intra and extrahepatic bile ducts that might lead to secondary or may lead to biliary cirrhosis and patients sometimes need liver transplantation. And in fact, the median a duration between diagnosis and need for liver transplantation or liver-related death has not changed since this disease was first recognized and remains at about 15 to 20 years. And when you consider the fact that patients with PSC may be as young as 14 and generally are in early middle age or young adulthood at the time of diagnosis, you could have many patients who are 20 to 25 years old with PSC who may be looking at a possibility of liver transplant by age 40. So there's a significant unmet need in terms of finding therapies for this disease. Urso would be a natural drug to consider using for PSC because Urso has been proposed to increase non-bile acid-dependent bile flow, make the bile more aqueous, and increase the pH of bile, etc., and certainly in other diseases, such as primary biliary cholangitis, URSO has been shown to be an effective therapy. In PSC, URSO has had mixed results. So at lower doses, a randomized control trial published in the New England Journal by Keith Linder and colleagues in the mid to late 1990s showed no improvement in 
hard outcomes such as liver transplantation or complications of liver disease. There are some promising data from Europe suggesting that intermediate doses, maybe 17 to 23 milligrams per kilogram per day or so, may in fact be beneficial. And so there was some enthusiasm about trying to use ERSO in patients with PSC. Unfortunately, the high-dose ERSO study, of which I was one of the co-investigators, led by Keith Linder, funded by an R01 from the NIH, had to be discontinued early because at doses of 28 to 30 milligrams per kilogram, patients treated with high-dose ERSO had an increased rate of liver-related adverse events. So for a while, there was a discussion that ERSO had no role in treatment, uh, but there's additional data from Scandinavia suggesting that patients who normalize their alkaline phosphatase within one year of diagnosis with or without ERSO may in fact benefit. So the pendulum is swinging a little bit back towards the pro-ERSO camp and the general feeling amongst experts now is it's reasonable to conduct a trial of ERSO with informed consent with the patient uh, as long as we do not exceed doses uh, of 20 to 23 milligrams per kilogram per day. And uh, if the patient responds with a brisk or prompt reduction of alkaline phosphatase, it may be reasonable to consider continuing the ERSO. So that's where we are. The concept of adding berberine to ERSO represents the idea that maybe we could use some of the choleretic properties of ERSO along with some anti-inflammatory properties and maybe antimicrobial properties. So berberine is combined with ursodeoxycholic acid as a salt in this particular formulation. And the mechanism of urso I've already mentioned, maybe some cytoprotective and anti-inflammatory, but berberine has a substantial antimicrobial activity and has evidence for being an anti-inflammatory agent, particularly against Klebsiella, which may be a pathobiont associated with development of PSC. And berberine is also excreted in part unchanged in bile, which you know, has been postulated to possibly be beneficial in PSC because of bacteria and yeast often present in bile of patients with PSC, even without ascending cholangitis. And in a murine model with the MDR2 knockout mouse, which is a mouse model for cholestatic liver disease, treatment with berberine improved cholestatic liver injury with improvement in blood tests such as ALT, AST, and alkaline phosphatase. And a pilot study in a handful of patients, 12 with PBC and 12 with PSC, suggested that berberine might in fact provide substantial additional reduction in addition to ERSO. So, uh, so this is the concept that led to the use of HTD-1801 to primarily examine safety and tolerability and to see as a proof of concept whether there was an effect on alkaline phosphatase reduction in PSC. So thanks for this. This is a very nice uh, background as to why this disease, why these compounds, and why at this point of time would be important for someone with PSC. So briefly, this study was an 18-week study with three periods. The N was relatively small, but it seems like the design was uh, put together to answer several questions all at once. Do you want to briefly go over the design and also the usefulness of alkaline phosphatase as a surrogate for PSC activity? Yeah. So. So with regard to the study design, we had to face some interesting 
challenges. First of all, the study was uh, active and enrolling during the height of the COVID pandemic. So, uh, so that impacted our ability to enroll patients. And at the end of the day, we ended up with 16 patients randomized to placebo, 15 patients randomized to 500 milligrams twice a day of 1801, and 24 patients randomized to 1,000 milligrams BID. There were three six-week periods, as you mentioned, a placebo-controlled period, a treatment extension period, and a randomized treatment withdrawal period. And one of the reasons we used this somewhat more complicated design was the Urso here is administered as a salt along with berberine. And so we wanted to try to isolate the effects of Urso on alkaline phosphatase and then look at the effects of berberine ursodeoxycholate compared to ursodeoxycholic acid as a separate observation. So I think the study may have been simpler if we, if we had included only patients who were not on urso, but obviously we wanted to make this a study that reflected the population of patients who would be taking urso. And it also gave us an opportunity to kind of uh, historically compare the effect of urso therapy alone to 1801, which combines, in theory, the salt of urso with berberine. So that was the study design. And uh, with regard to alkaline phosphatase, you raise a really good question because the results so far in cohort studies and historical studies uh, have provided some conflicting data with regard to whether alkaline phosphatase has utility. But we know in PBC, alkaline phosphatase is a very important biomarker. And we know in PSC that alkaline phosphatase elevation greater than 2.5 times upper limit of normal is associated with adverse liver outcomes. So there is a, a basis for using alkaline phosphatase as a readout or as an endpoint in a proof of concept study such as this. But of course, the caveat, as you allude to, is that some patients may have progressive disease without elevation of alkaline phosphatase, and alkaline phosphatase doesn't always correlate with the degree of histologic damage in PSC being a more complicated disease. Thank you for putting this all together. This is a very complicated study, and for the readers, Dr. Cowdley has done a great job explaining it so that the point you can study not only the head-to-head -head comparison, but also to figure out what was uh, the impact of one versus the other. But I think this made it a little harder to interpret because it, a school of thought, including the editorial and some reviewers, also potentially thought that this may not be enough for us to define what you're trying to suggest. Does it truly tell us whether the effect is actually, especially in the withdrawal arm, is due to the urso itself, due to the berberine itself, or actually a combination of both? For, for example, were you able to, would you be able to reasonably conclude that this effect was due to the berberine component rather than both of them together? No, that's an excellent point, and it is a valid criticism of the study. We face the challenge of how do we try and isolate the effects of berberine versus ursodeoxycholic acid. I think that's a question we're not going to be able to answer because, quite frankly, we like the idea of, of the combination of berberine with ursodeoxycholic acid. But if you look at the changes in alkaline phosphatase, it is clear that there's a dose response effect. So if you look at the effect of HTD 1801, 500 BID versus 1000 BID, there in terms of the effect on alkaline phosphatase, as you can see in figure 2C, there is a what appears to be a dose response effect. 
And then when you look at changes from baseline in gamma GT and aminotransferases, again, there does appear to be a trend. But clearly, this is a proof of concept study. I think there's enough information in here uh, that's promising with regard to the possible combination in terms of being a possible therapy for PSC. And what's particularly attractive about the combination of berberine and Urso is that Urso is uh, a drug that we're very familiar with and we know exactly how it works. And possibly by combining it with a, a compound that has antimicrobial effects and additional anti-inflammatory effects, you know, we might be able to make, make uh, a, a therapeutic advance. We also think that the reduction in alkaline phosphatase, uh, although this is too early to tell, may be more uh, significant than what you might see with Urso alone. So excellent points you've raised. We think this is a, a positive proof of concept study, but clearly additional work needs to be done to get a better handle on the role of uh, 1801 as a treatment for PSC. So picking up on that excellent point on the antimicrobial impact, which is hypothesized to be a major input that berberine provides in addition to the cholerate effect. As you know, fecal microbiota transplant has been tried and there are new studies going on. And also vancomycin has been tried for PSC and there's also new studies going on. Where do you think berberine, which is not really an antibiotic per se, or a, a big change in the microbiota, but more of a more subtle you know, impact, how would that be positioned? with these therapies that are being currently tried or have some prior uh, experience in PSC? Yeah, no, the, uh, I, think, I think the concept of using a drug that alters the microbiome and the potential effects on microbiome manipulation as uh, on PSC is uh, been of historical interest for a great deal of time. And we were very hopeful with uh, vedolizumab being a drug that uh, works on adhesion molecules and may potentially be a, a drug that might work in PSC. We've been enthusiastic about that. A TNF and IL-6 have been uh, postulated to play a role along with uh, endothelin in terms of causing biliary tract inflammation. Uh, and there's been interest in looking at biologics. Um, there's also been, uh, you know, we've known for some time based on the pioneering work of Steve Lishman, who is a pediatric uh, gastroenterologist in North Carolina. And he showed many years ago that if you do uh, create blind loops in rodents, uh, they actually get biliary strictors and a disease similar to PSC. So we know that bacterial overgrowth and stasis can create a bile duct disease. The concept of increased permeability to a deranged mucosa, you know, leading to increased uh, entry of bacterial compounds or at least bacterial products into the portal circulation, leading to inflammation, you know, has good support. But so far, we have not found any results that have clearly shown these effective therapies to be effective. And in fact, the data with vancomycin, you know, at this point, although there's a great deal of enthusiasm among patients and uh, some providers, uh, we still do not have any randomized control trial data. So, um, so, so the concept of uh, you know um, manipulating the microbiome as possibly a treatment for PSC has been around for a long time, uh, but it's probably a multifactorial disease, and the antimicrobial component is probably just one component, with other components maybe leading to inflammation and maybe getting a compound 
at increased concentrations into the biliary tract, as we're able to show with berberine, is what is needed. But uh, the vancomycin data clearly needs to be uh, further confirmed with uh, a larger placebo-controlled trial. Uh, And I think FMT at this point, probably too early to make any statements on its potential use in PSC. Thank you. So, so giving all of this, what are the future plans of this medication for this medication in patients with PSC, with whom we are still searching for an ideal therapy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think based on these data, I certainly would be enthusiastic and would encourage High Tide, which is the company that uh, has developed this compound and designed this trial. I would certainly encourage them to continue exploring uh, the role of. Uh, berberine ursodeoxycholate or 1801 uh, as a treatment for PSC. This compound is already being used to treat NASH and uh, showed some very impressive results that were published in Nature Communications recently. So, so obviously the role of this therapy in treating liver disease and particularly PSC, in my opinion, based on these results, deserve further study. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Cowdley, for enlightening our uh, listeners. And for all the listeners, uh, this uh, paper is available online in the American Journal of Gastroenterology with Dr. Cowdley on behalf of multiple authors. And there's also a nice editorial by Dr. Eric Yoshida from uh, University of British Columbia. And I thank you uh, for helping sort this uh, very important, complicated study out for our listeners. 